0: Welcome to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycutt. Kim is a
1: psychotherapist and executive director of ICU Talks, a mental health speaking ministry. This is a podcast about how to flip your lid and learning how to reconnect to who you really are.
0: Hey, everybody. Thank you for being a part of Flip Your Lid. I'm here with a really cool guy today. His name is Kevin Sweeney, and he lives in Hawaii, And I want to tell you a little bit about him. He's got a book coming out called The Making of Mystic. And I need y'all to know the subtitle. My journey with mushrooms, my life as a pastor, and why it's okay for everyone to relax. Kevin, you had me at mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) The minute I heard drugs were involved, I'm like, yeah, let's talk. Let's do this, right? So he runs a church in Hawaii named Imagine. He and his wife co-founded that. And so he's going to talk to us a little bit about what it means to be a pastor, what it means to be himself, what it really means to be authentic self, Mm. which is one of my favorite topics that I don't think we can talk about enough, Kevin. Mm. So thank you for coming all the way from Hawaii to be a part of Flip Your Lid.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate it. This is you know, with my schedule, it's earlier here. So yeah. this is sort of the first thing besides being out in the living room with my kids and family, I give my energy too. So mm-hmm. it's good to have that fresh, fresh energy. So yeah. happy to be here on Flip Your Lid. Um, I just want to begin by saying I'm so grateful to mm-hmm. be on. And I, I've said this to other people who have interviewed me, you know, without seeing me yet on other podcasts or people you're familiar with, you know, mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, okay, like they interviewed right. him. That's cool. I get it. Yeah. So without any of that, because I'm just recording so many right now, I am grateful for you to mm-hmm. take the time, take the risk, take the energy to have me on yes. without seeing that. So as a first time writer, you know, with my first mm-hmm. journey through publishing, that, that means a lot. So I do not take that yeah. for granted at all.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. So part of it too is, and, and I'm a writer, you know, I've published one book, working on my second one now. I know how difficult Thanks. it is to get published. I know how difficult mm-hmm. it is to get someone to, to even, even promote your own book is hard for me. Right, to Mm. even do that. So, but, you know, reading your book, and I'm not just, as a writer, I don't compliment people's writing unless I mean it. Like, it's invigorating. Like, I, and I'm ADHD as they come. Like, I could stay in it, Mm. and it's really Mm. good. I love your wording. I love your heart in it. And as I said a few minutes ago, I love the journey of coming to the unconditioned self, and mm. not the way that so many people are doing it so that they, we think we're at self, but we're just mm. still at the ego. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So you wrote so beautifully and passionately and with humor about it. Mm. So congrats. Yeah. For
1: that. Yeah. I appreciate that. You know, the I did not go into the pandemic and into COVID and the shutdown and all that with intentions to write at all. Yeah. And I feel like a background to my writing was throughout my young 30s. My wife and I started Imagine Our Church at 28. And through your young 30s, like one Hawaii, we're so it is connected to the United States of America, you know, technically, but it's also its own place culturally Mm. and the everyday life and the 24 hour news cycle that affects everybody so much on the mainland or what some people call the continent. Like not Mm. everyone here is so caught. It has, it has its own Mm. culture, has its own way of life. It has its own Mm. history. That's so different. And I feel like through my thirties, I consciously, resisted the temptation of the ego to write a book for the sake of writing a book.
0: Yeah. That's good. Yeah.
1: Cause to be a young man in his thirties who, you know, sees a future beyond what I'm doing locally, whenever that time's right. And who has a mm-hmm. desire to allow their voice to be able to come out and be able to be shared in a transcultural way. I also know that the, the urge or the impulse of the ego to say, well, I'm 32, and they wrote their first book at 33, and right. you, by 36, you should do that. Yeah. And I was, a, I'm aware of that in the atmosphere or in the contraction of my own ego, and I resisted the urge to do that for the for the wrong reasons, which is the ego's desire to keep up, the ego's need for attention, mm-hmm. whatever it mm-hmm. is. So when this came around, it doesn't always work out like this in life. Yeah. Yeah. But I had a moment of silence in these mountains where, I, where I, one of the places I would go to. And in this time of silence there, it was just this snap. And I said, that's a book.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. And I had never
1: had that before with yeah. that level of clarity and with that desire. And especially with that space open in my mm-hmm. life creatively where all this creative energy is open mm-hmm. because of transitions with the pandemic. And I went home and for the next organizing it and eventually writing it I have never been so singularly focused mm. and obsessed and in tune with one project before so it really was a special special time just the for me like one of the quotes I have in the book about creativity is the product is for others but the process is for you
0: yeah that's so good that's so so to
1: me, that it's like the product, the book. Now, well, that's a that's an mm-hmm. offering to people. You know, mm-hmm. I probably will never go back and read this book from beginning to end. Right. But to me, it's when you can fall in love with and stay in tune with and be present mm-hmm. to them. I love wake, that schedule of waking up at five forty mm-hmm. and doing it while my wife had the kids, and then we switched, and then later on, like that. If you can connect, no matter, mm-hmm. it's a struggle. Right, writing is a struggle, and it, it you know it takes mm-hmm. a lot. But if you can fall in love with the process, it's it's a special thing.
0: Yeah, it's very special. And, and your podcast is really special, too. And I, I don't want to start there, but I want to throw it out. The name of your podcast is The Church Needs Therapy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as a psychotherapist, like that really just grabbed my heart because it, it's a, such a true statement, before we go there, because you've had a exceptional guest on your podcast, and, and mm, even mm. your introduction to your podcast is so inviting. Uh, pe- it's no, so I yeah, it's so good and so inviting, especially for someone like me who's been mistreated by the church. So, mm. so good. So thank you for that being a part of my healing process. Mm. But i got to ask you, let's just start here. Tell us a little bit, even before you get to the part about your book, what in your life flipped your lid? And what measures did you have to take to reconnect to who you really are?
1: Mm, yeah. That's a great question. Someone should name a podcast after yeah. that. Hmm, a good maybe tip. someone
0: <laughs> can make <honey, cut. laughs>
1: I know there, there's a lot of good, um, as a psychotherapist yourself, mm-hmm my podcast called the church needs therapy and my wife's actually a marriage and family therapist.
0: Oh, great. So she has her, she
1: has her own, she has her own practice here in Hawaii. So I'm sitting in the spot where she does all of her work. So there's a lot of good healing energy, a lot of, you know, work, the real work and the shadows that we do here, Hmm. you know, actually, the, the major first massive flipping of my lid you know, is are is connected to some of the stories I will tell in the book. So, mm-hmm. you know, people will get in the book. It's, it's not an autobiography by any means, but there is autobiographical stories. Yeah. And um, a big part of the autobiographical stuff is my own defining moments leading up to my first encounter with God, my first direct experience of spirit when I was 18. So Mm -hmm. it's a unique story, you know, existential Mm -hmm. crisis at 17, Mm -hmm. mushrooms as a spiritual guide for me when I didn't have any,
0: Right.
1: this spontaneous awakening moment with God and a complete rewiring of my consciousness and a realtering of my life Mm -hmm. after. So that flipping of your lid for me was the first massive thing. And You know, I have a chapter in the book called Mushrooms and Missionaries. Yeah. And I tell this story in the book where, you know, Thomas Merton, one of the great Mm. mystics of the 20th century, who really, from my perspective, reintroduced contemplation Mm. and, you know, eventually perhaps laying the ground for a non-dual form of Christianity after Mm -hmm. that. But Merton, when he was young, when he was getting closer to his awakening experience and he was starting to sort of wake up more and more, he had this story where there was this visiting Hindu monk that was lecturing at some uh, at some Ivy League schools here. Mm-hmm. And his name was Muhammad Brata Brahmachari. And so a young Merton goes to him and is basically just looking for guidance, somehow gets in touch with them. It's like going to the pastor after a service or a conference. Hey, 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 hey let, me just, yeah. let me just ask you one question. And so he had a moment like that. And he asks this Hindu monk for resources, for guides. And what's so fascinating was the monk didn't point him to their own sacred texts in the Hindu tradition. Mm. He pointed him to sacred texts within the Christian tradition. So he tells him to read St. Augustine's Confessions. He tells him to read Thomas Akempis' Imitation of Christ. Mm. And then these books integrated into Merton's journey and become a part of him moving further towards his life in Christ. Why I find that story so funny and so interesting is, one, I don't think it was in this Hindu monk's job description to be a missionary for Christ.
0: Right. Right. Right? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: But if we can, for a moment, suspend the colonial, Eurocentric, patriarchal, dominating, oppressive, Mm -hmm. you know, land grabbing, taking, colonizing energy that's cluster that's the word missionary is wrapped up in like, we, we know that, but we're right. aware of that. We can talk about that. And it's, it's necessary to untangle that. Yes. But in, in its positive sense, a missionary is somebody who can point someone further towards Christ. Mm. And I would argue in that moment mm. that Hindu monk was a missionary, a missionary. for Thomas Merton pointing yeah. him further mm. towards Christ. Mm. The reason why I begin with that story in that chapter is in the same way psychedelics specifically mushrooms you know psilocybin mm-hmm. you know is what you know oh, yeah. what people would yeah. know is the, right, the right the the active right yeah mushrooms were a, a missionary for me in my life pointing me further towards the fullness of Christ right. because even though I did go to Catholic school when I was young I sort of left and I wasn't really in tune with it I had no anger no shame no opposition to the church which I'm grateful for I was just I told my mom it was like a pleasant indifference it's just like whatever I didn't think about it and later on I never knew anything about youth groups Mm. growing up I didn't know anything about evangelical culture I had never heard of it I didn't, didn't know about worship music I didn't know any of that right and When I started, I was already on this journey, but when I started taking mushrooms at 16, as time went on, I could feel this energy and this sense of the mushrooms kept saying, yes, but keep going. Yeah, Yes. You're getting a glimpse of the goal here. Yes. You're touching something that's real. Yes. This is inviting you into a deeper way of being human, giving you glimpses of deeper dimensions of the existence, but the mushroom saying, but the source, the life, the truth is beyond this. And I'm pointing you to that. And I sense that as a teenager. Mm -hmm. And so, and then at 18 at that age, when like around Christmas, when I was a senior in high school, it's a long story I tell in the book, but I had on mushrooms, this spontaneous awakening moment, this direct experience of spirit where my primary experience of God from the beginning was this universal. Yes. Over Mm. my life. Yeah. Pure affirmation. Mm. I could, I mean, I could almost like physically feel this moment of light and love being infused into my life. Wow. Right. And I had limited religious language at that point, but I came away from that experience saying one, I know I just experienced God. And two, this was a rebirth and my Mm -hmm. life that flipping my lid was that moment was not what flipped my lid, which later on I had to reconnect to source and reconnect to my true self. Mm -hmm. Me starting to see through the illusions of my own life. Oh, I'm going to play basketball. I'm involved in music. These things make me special Mm -hmm. and coming to the realization this is all actually just my ego's need for approval and validation from other people and seeing that was the flipping of my lid was seeing that everything I was doing was for the sake of trying to gain some sort of love from others. Mm -hmm. That was what flipped my lid. And that experience I Mm -hmm. had was what grounded me. Oh, there is a self. There is this great self with a capital S that is before Mm -hmm. that is beyond. And that is beneath any of these external things I'm trying to do to create a sense of value for myself.
0: Yeah. So good, like that's got so many nuggets in it. So let me cool. ask, let me ask you this for a sense of understanding. So, were you microdosing shrooms as a teenager in a way of trying to integrate self and anxiety, depression, et cetera, or were you doing shrooms the way I did them back in the day, which is yes. like, let <laughs> me escape ladder. from this hell I live in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The-
1: I definitely back then, you know, this is 2001, 2 three. I'm like a, you know, junior, senior in high school. Yeah. And there was no, I am consciously micro dosing, mushrooms for the sake of healing and overcoming trauma and I have somebody who's guiding me through this no right. one it started off because I'm 16 and I do drugs and I just want to eat mushrooms right, no? right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we were and we definitely weren't micro dosing right. we were definitely
0: going for it I love it I and love so, it it's great it
1: it it became this unex we could call them an unexpected guide for me because i yeah. went in just like my friends were just young kids who have right. are stoners and you know starting to do other drugs and this is just something to experiment with
0: mm-hmm. but
1: they started to beckon me and call mm-hmm. me and communicate something else to me where i was mm-hmm. like Okay. My friends do shrooms and trip out. That's fine. Mm -hmm. I do that too. I've had the weird experiences like other people Mm -hmm. I've had. I've been watching TV where the entertainment center bends with me as I move my body. I've seen walls open into other dimensions. I've seen a lot of things and it's fun at that age, but there was something else grounding and mysterious Mm -hmm. and inviting about that where I'm like, my friends aren't having this experience, but Mm -hmm. I'm sensing in my overall life of why am I doing what I'm doing? What do I really want? Am I happy? I have everything the culture is telling me that will make me happy, but I'm Mm -hmm. also not. And they became this guide for me as I started to see through my own illusions and question Everything I was doing so it started off as like hey we're just out here because yeah. we're insane but now there's something else happening here.
0: Yeah I love that so much because the God I experienced before I went to church mm. was that God who went mm. anywhere and was never separate from me went anywhere where I went mm. pursuing mm. me and then in the church it, there's a lot of like a lot of people because of ego, won't believe mm. that God can get to you through mushrooms. Mm. Right? Because mm. that's has to be done a certain way. And mm. so to me that's that your your experience with that is such a beautiful truth of God will go anywhere and do anything to mm. stay with us. To reveal yeah, himself that's
1: to a, us. Yeah. And I think that's a part of the the power and the mystery and the beauty of incarnation. Mm. is to me in Jesus you see the ultimate union of spirit and matter Mm. but I think the incarnation of Jesus is not saying it's not God saying spirit and matter can be put together here in this beautiful way but spirit and matter are put together everywhere so let's begin with Jesus but then let's zoom out and start to realize there's an incarnational moments waiting to happen everywhere for those who are paying attention so when people have Like when I hear a story, like in these old, you know, 1970s Jesus movement, you know, stories of people, it's like this guy's like, "I did acid, I laid on the ground, and when I got up, I was a Christian." I'm like, "That makes sense to me."
0: That makes sense. Or
1: someone is like, for me, a part of that wisdom journey of that mushrooms were a part of. It wasn't the only thing, but it was a part of. I was just paying attention and reading reality around me, and I felt Mm -hmm. like. there's wisdom everywhere. And what's interesting is later on, I would hear in the scriptures, you know, wisdom's crying out from the streets. If you search for wisdom, you'll like like rubies you'll discover and those types of things. And even in Proverbs, it talks about paying attention to the ants and learning from a field, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you apply your Mm -hmm. heart to what you observe, like and learn understanding, it's everywhere. And that's where Mm -hmm. I started. I started with creation itself was the text that the spirit was speaking through to me. So if you watch the waves long enough, you're like, Oh, the waves come and go, but the ocean remains. There's something true about that, about Mm -hmm. life. You know, Mm -hmm. the tree. What is what is the strength of a tree? It's not Mm -hmm. in it's not in what we see. It's all in the roots. There's something so that the deepest parts of ourselves that give us grounding. It's not Mm -hmm. what other people can see. Like that was just pouring Mm -hmm. out everywhere for me. And so I always my initial notion was the spirit is everywhere. Like the whole universe is a megaphone. Mm -hmm. That yeah. God is speaking through of like this is everywhere and and you can wake up wherever you are. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So are you feeling like if we're paying attention, we can see that God. If we're seeking attention, that there's a possibility we'll miss because we're not able to pay attention.
1: If we're seeking attention,
0: yeah, in the sense of like through mm. the ego, which is not wrong. Gotcha. We need attention, right? It's an emotional Gotcha. Got, gotcha. If I'm seeking attention through through certain things that maybe were worldly that's still ego-based, mm-hmm. that I might not be paying attention to where God actually right.
1: is. No, I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah. And to me, the possibility of waking up further, of being present to the presence of God is always mm-hmm. accessible and available. The thing that's getting in the way is our own inability yeah. to see it, to be present, to yeah. touch it. Why? Because, you know, like you learned from great wisdom teachers, we're reprocessing mm-hmm. and going over things from the past. We're anxious about the future. Mm-hmm. We're constantly on a grind where the ego's like, what can I produce next? What can I make? How can I do this? There's a plethora, there's sadly an endless amount of ways that can take us out of the power and the mystery and the fullness mm-hmm. of Christ in every single moment. You know, yeah. it's it's amazing as sophisticated. You know, Western people who pride ourselves on education and rationality—it seems like we've been mas- we've been able to master everything except the ability to actually be here.
0: Yeah, that's so good. So good right where we are. Yeah. So, so I got sober in a twelve-step program a long time ago, mm. and so we always said the acronym for ego was edging God out. Mm. And I just mm. thought it was cute until I studied neuroscience, and it's actually true, mm. right? Because the part of the brain where your ego lives. Doesn't allow anything new to come in. And Mm. it's the left part of your lower limbic. The right part of your brain is where we actually experience God. Mm, Interesting. Yeah, so so literally, as you wrote so well about the ego, and I want to read some of your your work to our audience, that you know, the ego is very protective. Either we protect Mm. or we connect. So if I'm protecting myself, I'm Mm. not able to connect. And so you wrote Mm. so well. So I wanna let me read a little bit to y'all of what he wrote in his book, and it really was an honor to have an advanced copy and be able to read some of this. It's really good. You cannot overcome the ego with the determination of the ego. Mm. No, you overcome the ego by its disidentifying with it, surrendering it, and moving beyond it altogether, which is why Ken Wilbur writes, but with radical transformation, the self, it's, the self itself is inquired into, looked into, grabbed by its throat, and literally throttled <laughs> to death. In other words, the ego does not need encouragement, it needs a eulogy. Mm. That's really good. <laughs> Yeah.
1: That, you know, there's there's like these two massive steps in our life if you want to keep evolving mm-hmm. spiritually. One is we're encouraging the self on the way to success or strength or stability. And then there's another step a lot of people aren't familiar with where we are now dying to the self mm-hmm. on the way to freedom. And as a person, if you work with people in trauma, mm-hmm. then, you know, it's not always the appropriate time to invite somebody to transcend, let go of and overcome yeah. their self. Right. When people are overcoming trauma, mm-hmm. or when people are young and they haven't mm-hmm. even had yet a yeah. solid, grounded sense of self. They're not ready to overcome, transcend, and let go of that. They need to be strengthened and encouraged. And that initial mm-hmm. sense of self needs to be fortified. Yeah. And it needs to be put back together. Yes, yeah, good. And that's the work you do. Hopefully, mm-hmm. if kids grow up in a loving environment with secure attachments, that can happen in a home. You have a healthy sense of self, your ego, yeah. right? Right when you're overcoming trauma, you need to be put back together or it needs to be mm-hmm. put together in a whole way for the first time. Mm-hmm. So in that stage, we're strengthening and encouraging the ego and that sense of self. That's a, right. it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad, that's thing. a necessary thing. Right? right. But there comes a time where there are limitations towards the freedom and the spaciousness and the expansive, expansiveness of the ego sense of self. Mm-hmm. And then once we're ready, it's like when you finally are solidified, you're like, now becomes this interesting journey of moving beyond it and listening mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. call of Jesus to die to the very self yeah that most people spend our whole lives trying to protect and trying yeah. to fortify from others. So yeah. I, I, that's why I say, I think it's in that chapter, but I say, you know, most preaching in the, in the uh-huh. church, most preaching is just cheerleading for the ego.
0: Yeah, it is. And, it, and, and that, it'll fill, it'll fill stadiums. As you said in your book, it will fill a stadium. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and that's why sometimes when I hear preachers, I'm like, it's not that what they're saying is bad, but it, to me, it sounds like they're speaking to children mm-hmm. or teenagers who are or, or young twenties where it's like, yeah. they need to be told you're okay. They need to be yeah. told this. And I get that. Right. And we need that. You're strengthening that, but it isn't radical transformation. Isn't yeah. it? It isn't an invitation like to let go of their ego needs. It's a strengthening of the ego. So it's good, but it's also, if you strengthen that initial sense of self and ego long enough, mm. you will get stuck in a place and never hear that calling from the spirit yeah. into your the second half yeah. of your life, yeah. into a life, uh, into your larger self yeah. in Christ that has disidentified with your ego mm-hmm. and says, all of those ego needs that I had for a while, I don't actually need in order to move into a yeah. different experience of freedom beyond this. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so well said, and it's something that I talk about, preach about a lot, and this is part of it, I think. And again, the entire Bible is an interpretation. It's just there's been an overall majority agreed upon interpretation that we sit with. And one of those is, like we are talking about, how we read Scripture about death of self. Mm. That we are hearing that as, I can't have any needs— and a lot of us, you brought up attachment styles. A lot of us raised with preoccupied attachment, which means I don't get to pay attention to self. I have to be preoccupied with what you're experiencing, what you're going through, and I'd neglect myself. And that is praised in the church, and I do not find it at all godly. And so I think your mm. your book is so informative, and, and even beyond that, like because it goes to the core, people understand, and if we're going to have an understanding of self, The death of self is not your essence, it's not your true self. That's not what we're that's not Mm, what I think scripture is saying needs to die. Right.
1: Totally. Yeah. And that's and that's why, you know, at different parts of the book, or when you look at the perennial tradition of mystics, mystics always know that death is the key to life.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, it's just one of those paradoxes, the ego wants to resist at all all costs, and yet it is beyond the edges of our boundary self when we dare mm. to surrender the need for control, when we mm. dare to let go of our need to manage my environment, when we yeah. can allow new information and new things to call us beyond our sort of normal edges.
0: Yeah.
1: The very thing we fight, because the ego is relating to it as death, because it is.
0: Yeah. Oh, it oh, actually
1: yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, letting go always involves death. Forgiveness always involves some form of death mm-hmm. too. That's why they're so challenging. Yeah. But the, the, the invitation that I see from the spirit the invitation I see in Jesus is this surrendering of that is to let go of something that protected you for a while, but you know, you don't actually need beyond this. Mm-hmm. And when you do, and when you're ready to do that, Every time it's death, what is the story? It's always resurrection.
0: Yeah, that's right. Like
1: it's the paradox to to feel more safe. You let go of the need for control, Mm -hmm. you know, to feel more secure. You let go of the need to manage everything yourself. This is all forms of dying to those ego needs that we use use to protect. The things that we Mm -hmm. use to protect ourselves from growing up eventually Mm -hmm. prevent us from experiencing the life that we want more and more. You know, that's why David Foster Wallace has this great quote where he's like, everything I've ever let go of has claw marks on it.
0: Yeah, that's exactly
1: And the mystic says, I get that, but it doesn't have to be like that.
0: Yeah, right.
1: And the mystic is the one who's surrendered. Like, the mystic is the one who has experienced their own funeral over and over again and discovered every time the funeral is actually an entrance to the
0: party. Yeah, it's an entrance to the party. It's an entrance to the next chapter, right? So who, mm. right? And so that's Absolutely. why like, you're taking it out of more of a traditional human perspective of that if you're going into the next chapter from your church you started, that doesn't have to be put in the lens of right or wrong, failure, success, because that is mm. very much of just more of the ego's point of view,
1: mm.
0: right? And that you're looking at this in the sense of just knowing that it's time to be invited somewhere else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Even, even like, for example, you know, like when uh, with what Kim's sharing right now, you know, my wife and I started a mm-hmm. church about 10, almost 10 years ago. And we just announced in January that we're moving into the last chapter. So I'm literally like yeah. in the last chapter, leading people to closing it down. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's background reasons of I always sensed I would do this role for about 10 years and mm-hmm. totally challenges and losses of COVID all came together yeah. for us to come to where we are. But I think in order to move on from that one, there is always letting go always requires grief. Mm -hmm. You know, so there is, there has been a season of letting go of grieving over, like, this isn't a small deal. We just gave almost a decade of our life to this tears and sacrifice and loss and love and amazing things. And this was our Mm -hmm the primary vehicle for the life of God through me to come into the world for 10 years. That's a big yeah, deal. It's beautiful But it's, also yeah. I am aware I am not imagined.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I am not so over identified with my role yeah. as a pastor. I'm not so over identified with the church and my connection with it and my place in it that I can't yeah. imagine a life beyond it. Yeah. And so for me, that helps with, movement forward that helps Mm -hmm. with moving on because imagine was the primary vehicle for life of god through me to come Mm -hmm. into the world and in the next 10 years there will be a different vehicle and because i've done some of that work of letting go and my ego is not so over identified with roles and all those types of things there's the ability for me to say yes to the next thing Mm -hmm. without so much resistance because I'm so attached to the old. And that's why I say one thing, a mystic is somebody who knows how to live without any resistance. Yeah. Oh, there's a new thing coming. Oh wait, in order for me to say yes to a new thing, is mm. a real letting go and dying to the old that I have to. That's usually mm. where people get stuck. No, that's okay. Why? Because every time I've ever embraced what felt like a death, there was always more life after. That's yeah. the story to yeah. me in the scriptures. That's yeah. the story we're living in. Yeah. So that's why for me it's not. Do you believe in the death and re- the, mm-hmm. the death and resurrection of Jesus? It's are you going to do the death and resurrection yeah. journey yourself so when you come to the edge of the old thing? That's yeah. the invitation right there. Yeah. That that really makes faith real and gives spirituality its yeah. teeth in yeah. our lives.
0: And Kevin, that's that's the power, right? What you're saying that you're not over identified as a pastor, and and really, is such a. It's, there's so much power, honestly, in what you're saying. I'm sure you know this most people, most pastors, are very performative, mm. right? And it's about numbers and that, again, that's it's a trauma response. Being performative, being perfectionistic, all are trauma responses. And without us doing the work and being mm. ready to do the work, then that still becomes the primary facade, the primary thing that helps me be in this world and feel safe in this world. And that mm. safety can be in disconnection. What I'm hearing you is an invitation into connection and safety in that connection, and your ability to be true about your experience of deciding to let go of this church. But this is, you are the exception. Mm-hmm. You are the exception in this. So mm-hmm. anything you want to speak in that, how do you get there that you don't over-identify with your title? Whatever the title is, particularly a church.
1: You know, I want to, uh, do, do you ever like cuss on this? Because there's a chapter in my book that has Hell a cuss. No. word. I can hold.
0: Hell no, we okay. don't cuss. Around it. No, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's um, all you well, want. We don't
1: care. I have a chapter in the book called "Feeling Shitty." <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the first sentence is sometimes you're going to feel shitty. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm basically saying that's okay. Yeah. And when you talked about the performative, you know, uh, energy of a lot of mm-hmm. pastors, I tell this story in a book where. I'm like, I remember one specific morning, this is early on in the life of Imagine. We, might, we may have still been meeting in our home at that time because mm-hmm. we met in our home for like, I don't know, almost a year and a half. And it was like one Monday morning and it's just one of those moments like past early where I woke up and I just felt kind of shitty, you yeah. know? It's like this yeah. uncomfortable experience, like I could feel the tension in my body between where I was and where I thought I should be.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That is a that is a common thing for people in general, but especially Mm -hmm. for leaders. There's this is the way I thought it was supposed to go. Mm -hmm. This is where we are. Mm -hmm. And those aren't aligning. And now I have this critical decision of do I surrender the way I thought it was supposed to go and accept where it is? Or do I s- mm. stay committed to where I thought I was supposed to go and yeah. try to artificially jam reality into the way I think it's supposed to be. And that's how we kill ourselves. Yeah. And that's how we yeah. just, I don't mean like literally kill ourselves. That's how right. we crush yeah. ourselves and burn out and do all that.
0: Right. Sure.
1: Um, and so in that moment when I was feeling that, so I'm just sitting there like, is imagine, is this lame? You know, like, is yes. this, what am I doing? Why <laughs> am I doing this? One of those right. things. All of a sudden it was like, I could feel this energy that came up with this new idea, right? Of like, oh, we could do this right now. We could, we could do this thing. Like, I could see this exciting new idea. And it started to unfold, right? It's like, the plan's just unfolding and we can do this. And I could see it. and It's a great idea. And it's so vivid. And during that little, I was like on this little imaginative trip of like, what is possible for us to do, right? Yeah. And while it was happening, I realized something. This new idea was distracting me from me feeling Mm. my feelings and facing the truth.
0: That's real good. And
1: what's interesting was to even push that further, this new idea that was like spontaneously arising from my ego, and it was coming from my ego's need to protect itself from feeling hard feelings.
0: Yeah.
1: It was I it's like this unconscious way of avoiding painful and uncomfortable. Emotions, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. it makes me think of how many pastors. We can talk about leaders in general, but let's say for the church. Yeah, how many pastors new mission campaigns or new things they're going to do that's going to yeah. explode and take off? How many of those projects are actually born out of a way for them to avoid feeling hard emotions yeah. and facing the reality of the lack they're feeling when they're sitting in those challenging Monday morning yeah. moments. So, I, I so often, you, yeah. I want you go to ahead. say
0: that say that again for the people to put me in the back. Say it again.
1: Mm-hmm. With that said, when I could feel I'm having this hard time, instead of just sitting with this feeling of, oh, this morning, yeah. I'm I'm feeling I'm questioning things. I'm wondering, does this matter? Right? I just mm-hmm. it's one of those moments I'm having as you're giving your heart wholeheartedly to something yeah. you love, right? Because right? we right. care. And all of a sudden, I come up with this idea and it's great. And I stop myself and I realize, oh, this new idea is actually just distracting me from sitting in the truth of what I feel. Hey, this is hard. You know, I just have the heart, some hard emotions right now. And I think how many of these pastors. Mission campaigns, the next big project, the next big thing my team's going to lead us into. Yeah. How many of those are born out of this unconscious ego need to avoid feeling hard emotions and Mm -hmm. facing themselves with honesty in those challenging Monday morning moments?
0: Yeah. So good.
1: Like, and if, and if you're, that's the, that's the day, the weird danger of success. And if you're successful of that, mm-hmm. you just convince yourself you are doing enough based on performance mm-hmm. instead of sitting with those feelings long enough. Cause deep beneath the surface of that moment, what you're asking is, is what I'm doing enough? And even deeper than that, what you're really asking is, am I enough?
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right.
1: It's, and in those moments, we think it's about performance, but it's actually yeah. about identity.
0: Yeah. Well, and it goes we, back to shame. Yeah. It goes back to shame, right? This, the belief underneath most of our thoughts is shame-based in some way thinking, something's wrong with me. I'm not good enough. Let me go prove my worth. And when the feelings come, it means I'm re-experiencing the, the dis- mm. debilitating sense of shame. Mm-hmm. Right, but for you to mm-hmm. grasp that, be honest about it, and then lead other people in it, mm-hmm. you know, because again, part of your podcast to lead up to it is really putting it out there so clearly. It's your introduction of what why people are walking away from the church. Mm-hmm. And I used to say, because I've been sober for so long, that if you can stay sober in AA, you can stay sober anywhere. And you almost have to be a member of AA to understand the kind of things that happen in a twelve step program. And you know, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Now mm. I've gotten a point with church thinking if you can remain a Christian, mm. a Christ follower, being around Christians, <clears throat> you do you, you got it going on. That's right? <laughs> yeah. And so there's something in that. And that's why I'm loving your, your podcast of being very clear of people are walking away because we're not we're not letting people like me, L G B T Q I A people, in the church. Mm. We're how we're treating people who are brave enough. To, to be non-binary, brave enough to be transgendered, and how we're treating them, how we're treating people who are divorced, right? Mm. All the things that are happening, and particularly how women are being treated, how in the world did you get to a place that you have a panoramic view of all this and then decide to be a voice in it? And you don't have to be. You don't have mm. to be a voice of it, but you are. Mm. <sighs> you know, I
1: one of a foundational part of my faith is the is just the belief that there's always more
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's always more life there's yeah. always more connection mm-hmm. there's always more possibilities and I think the spirit is always inviting us into that and yeah there's a lot of things that get in the way of that you know mm-hmm. so you can look at a social cultural political economic levels they're there is an entire system in place in our country that is leveraged against specific groups of people and that benefits mm-hmm. other people.
0: Yep, benefits other
1: people. Um, so there's political, social, economic realities that involve mm-hmm. race and class and sex and sexual yeah. identity. Right. So there's things that get in the way of human flourishing on those levels. There's things mm-hmm. that get in the way of us. You know, it's like when some people, you're like, you within the constraints of limitations we all have, but you have agency to choose to move beyond this. And it's hard and people yeah. feel stuck. And yeah. there's people we care about who keep making self-destructive decisions, you know? Right. And as, you know, someone who's been right. through AA, someone who right. was also dealing with, you know, going through so much drugs and like, right. you know, drinking I right. was a kid, I also have made many self-destructive <laughs> yeah. decisions. So yeah. I get it. You yeah, know? completely. Um, but I think for me, it's, I just have always looked to people and I just want more for them because I think it's possible like Mm -hmm. even when I when I was young like I just always felt that when people talk about you know be for others what you wanted to be I'm like that's what I've always done like I didn't have a little brother and but it was just like the younger kids in my neighborhood are a couple of years younger, like I did for them what I wish somebody two to three years ahead of me did for me because no, mm-hmm. they didn't do that in that way. Now, at that point, that means I'm teaching them how to sell weed and teach them how what? to make a little money because that's what I was doing. But <laughs> right. that was still me looking out. That right. was my version of that. Yeah. But as I get older, like I've for imagine to be what imagine is and as soon was, there was a lot of sacrifices my wife and I had to make in order like I value creative integrity and authenticity over almost like anything. Yeah. So I knew making imagine the church that I believed in, I wasn't going to have money coming in from it. I'm not going to have a big budget with young people and like unchurched people. And to me, I'm like, if you don't have like an evangelical core at the center, you just don't have money. You know, That's from my perspective yeah, in that's some ways. You that's know? a true statement. Yeah. And I knew I was like, okay, we have to generate and bring, um, bring in income, most of our income as a family outside of this yeah. to actually be able to make the church that we believe in. And there's a lot, and my wife too, there's tons of sacrifices we had to make, but that's all for the sake of one, me being able to be myself as a person. But, and and what flows out of that is creating an environment Mm -hmm. for everybody to hear that message. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. more for you and God is inviting you and God's with you. And that's something like the one word that I would say defined, imagine over 10 years is the word real.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's
1: all I cared about. To right. me, it was like, this is never about what size of church it is. It's about mm-hmm. what kind of church it is and mm-hmm. how real and authentic we can yeah. be, how much we can dare authenticity here mm-hmm. and look around and be like, wait, people are still here. Mm-hmm. That means God might still be here. We're all okay. Yeah, you know,
0: that's so. so good. Yeah. Yeah. Just, like you also, yeah. like you're also very clear that you pick people over profit from the get-go, mm. right? <laughs>
1: Yes, there definitely has not been a ton of profit for me. Like, I would joke around with people. I'm like, I've had, you know, a friend, for example, who was a pastor at a very large church. And in my mind, I joke around. I'm like, one family from one family from that church gives more in a year than we get in a year as a whole. I'm yeah, like, can you just right. do like adopt a church thing where that one family just <laughs> takes this under their wing? Right. But- that was the thing. That's one of the challenges of leading mm. in the way we have and me leading out of who I am is I know where a lot of the money is. Yeah. Those people are not going to support what we're doing because we're doing things beyond the boundaries that they're comfortable with.
0: Yeah. You know, you know it's and,
1: like, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: It's it's so good, but you know, it's interesting because Brian McLaren endorsed your book and he's amazing. And he's one of the people that I've, listen to and turn to about understanding pastors making decisions where they decide profit over people where they decide someone else's salary is more important than someone feeling safe and and accepted in a church and Mm -hmm. you know something that's just part of it is understanding people have a right to do that they have a right to do that but i'm grateful for people like you who wherever you go like you're the ministry Mm -hmm. it it doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. in a building right i can just tell like wherever you go you're you're looking for that moment to be to be the light for somebody else.
1: Mm. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm grateful for you saying that. And I think that's one reason why the transition from being a pastor in a congregation to whatever's next, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like a massive thing to me because
0: yeah.
1: the spirit, the flow, the flow is the same, but the form is different.
0: Yeah, that's so you beautiful. know
1: who I am is the same. It's just yeah. the medium through which the life yeah. in me is flowing changes, and that's yeah. the gift of transcending and being liberated from the yeah. ego needs to a degree, and mm-hmm. that that lack of identification mm-hmm. with your ego. It's just it's like for me, I'm like nothing changes. I'm just it's working yeah. itself out different based on the context and the the stage yeah. of my life right now. I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to be saying the same things, right? Right. I'm going to be doing whatever it is I do. It's just. Yeah. it's going to look and feel different. Mm-hmm. So yes, there is a grief over the loss of the church because mm-hmm. I love it and closing mm-hmm. something down that you love so much and that you've given so much of your life yeah. to. But for me, I'm like ministry, life, giving, shaping, mm-hmm. teaching, guiding, that doesn't end. I'm going to be, that's that's yeah. that's what I, that's a part of just the yeah. structure of who I am and how I contribute to the world. So right. yeah, right. I appreciate you saying that.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so powerful. And And so you use some different terms in your book about, different types of spirituality and one thing your book talks about is we can talk about the why we can talk about where but we're not talking about how and Mm, that is interesting yeah and that's one thing that I really have said that I did get from a 12-step program is I really the focus was the how and then in church I don't Mm. always hear the practicality of how and I think we're talking more about contemplative spiritual practices now than ever which I absolutely love Mm -hmm. but you also Mm. talked in your book about different types of spirituality one being transformative spirituality. Do you mm. have a record? Do you remember? Cause I, I don't remember what's in my book either. So I don't want to throw. No, yeah, in, yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Those phrases, the difference between like transformative and translative yeah. spirituality come from Ken Wilber.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but when I work with him in the book, I'm like, th- those differences are another way of talking about when we talk about those two big steps of the strengthening and fortifying of the self with a small mm-hmm. S and then yeah. the, the death of, and the life beyond into your greater self with the large mm-hmm. S, you know, as, as how mm-hmm. I would say it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so the first step will make you feel safe. You know, like mm-hmm. you're okay. Whatever you do, God's going to, whatever. So like the first step will make you feel safe. And for a while, cause it doesn't always work, but it'll make you feel safe. The second one leaves you undone. Mm, right the first step puts you together the second one takes you apart
0: well that's so good
1: the first step is you know creating a name for yourself the second one is realizing that this name means nothing when you are face to face Mm. with god Mm, that's good and so the translative spirituality is you're giving your ego sense of self a better translation of the world so imagine the translation is like you know a lens you're looking through so your ego sense of self is like I'm lovable. I'm loved. You know, someone's here to protect me. That's all Mm -hmm. good stuff. We Mm -hmm. need that. Like we said, Mm -hmm. stages and appropriate stages of development. That's all helpful. You're giving your a positive self-image. It's a better way of viewing reality. Mm -hmm. The second one is the actual it's not about the beliefs or the translation of the self. It's actually about the death of the self.
0: Death of the self. So that's
1: why Ken Wilber would say it isn't, it isn't about a beliefs. It's actually about the death of the believer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's good. And that's,
1: that's one thing for, for the, I think the, the flow and the feel of mystics that would make mm-hmm. religious people uncomfortable is mm-hmm. I would tell people, you are not your beliefs. Yeah. You are over here and you have beliefs That are over there. You have those beliefs, but you are not those beliefs. Mm. Your beliefs, say my really, I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor, and believe it or not, I pastor a church. (laughs) But I also know this great, deep, transcendent, ever-present self, you know, this ever-present awareness that I return to is not completely the same as my beliefs. So I can be in, like my greater self is in Christ, but then that self that's in Christ has beliefs about who Jesus is, has beliefs about how reality works, but I am not those beliefs. This self is before and beyond Mm. those beliefs. And that's actually Mm. when so many people are deconstructing and Mm. and being reoriented in their faith, Mm -hmm. it's so traumatic and it's so challenging And one of the reasons why that is, is people are so, and there's no judgment there. It's just, it's just a part of growing. You're so over identified with specific beliefs Mm -hmm. for a sense of yourself that if you take those beliefs away, it feels like yourself disappears and you don't know who you are anymore. When the mystic knows like the mystic can, I hold all my beliefs so loosely and Mm -hmm. so playfully because I've changed them so many times. And my view of God has evolved so much over however many years that, oh, this new information, when you talk about the right and the left brain, mm-hmm. this new information is requiring and demanding me to reshape my beliefs in light of the evidence or my experience. I can do that because that doesn't say anything about my foundational sense of self in Christ. That just changes how I see and interpret reality. That doesn't change me. Like when Paul uses that phrase in Colossians, you know, we're hidden with God in Christ who I am is hidden Mm -hmm. and it's over here, safe in Christ. And I can change my beliefs and I can change Mm -hmm. all those things because I am not those beliefs. There is this capital I that has those beliefs, but knows that it is not those beliefs. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's so good. In in Colossians three three, you're referencing I, I three three. That. Sorry, yeah. see that's why
1: that's why we no, no. Need, we need the you know we need, the each, other. Bible we need each other.
0: But part of why I love that um, there's something about any scripture that's three three. I don't know. I don't I don't know if it's because mm. Jesus died at thirty three. I don't mm. know what it is, but those are always the ones that really feed me and get me closer to my essence. But in that, it's talking about being hidden with Christ, opposed to hiding mm And I do Mm-mm. think that's what religion does. I do think mm. the childhood beliefs in that that we're actually hiding, and there is so fear based.
1: Mm, totally. People are
0: more controlled by their fear of rejection than they realize until they do the work. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's I, th- I think it's in in this book. it's I have a chapter called Religion. It's basically about how religion can be used as a way of avoiding reality.
0: Ooh, so true. So good. And, I'm so glad you, you know, that's,
1: that I, I forget where it's at in the book, but there's one quote in the book where I say, you know, a, a lot of religious activity is just the ego dressed up in church clothes, trying yeah. to look busy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the busyness becomes part of the cover up of I'm hiding because I don't really know who I am. And but I don't I know I'm
1: hiding because I'm that's doing right. all this good stuff yeah. for God. How could it be bad? And right. that's, that's the interesting thing is, the, the the coping mechanisms are the, the things we do to avoid this sort of foundational confrontation with whatever's true within us. You know, yeah. the stuff in our shadows, unhealed yeah. wounds, our illusions, right. or whatever it is. It doesn't mean we're only doing toxic things. A, per, right. a pastor could be having his new mission campaign, yeah. right? Right. right? And he's doing, and it and it could do objectively good things in the neighborhood, right? It's mm-hmm. not either or. Mm-hmm. That thing could actually contribute good, but the actual. Initial impulse of it was a way for him to continue hiding. So yeah. he could both be doing good things for the neighborhood and hiding mm-hmm. from himself or yeah. herself at the yeah, same that's right. time. And that's so, right. so yeah, I think th- there's a story I tell where, you know, Brendan Manning, who you know wrote Ragamuffin Gospel and Abbas mm-hmm. Child, and, and a lot of a lot of people love him as a writer. A friend of mine who was on staff like at a mega church, this is a long time ago, was gonna, he was responsible for leading a retreat. And so He asked Brandon Manning, "Hey Brandon, like, will you come and lead this retreat? You know, very evangelical megachurch, right?" Mm -hmm. And Brandon Manning said, "I will lead the retreat with one condition." And my friend's like, "Okay," because he has to sell this to the lead pastor, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so Brandon's like, "No one's allowed to bring their Bibles."
0: Wow. And
1: then he said, "Evangelicals hide from God in their Bibles."
0: That's so good. It's so good to hear that he would say that.
1: And that was so, I mean, that's a long time ago too, you know, to have that wisdom, you know, at that point. And Mm -hmm. that just goes to show we can look for any other disguise. Our ego can disguise itself in many ways as a sense Mm -hmm. of avoidance, you know, and Mm -hmm. religion is one of the most socially acceptable versions of that. You know, I'm just serving God and stacking chairs for 10 hours and burning myself out for God. And in reality, you know, we discover, man, a lot of that busyness was actually me avoiding a sense of stillness because it scares me because there's things there for me you know and that's that's a part of the journey and for me their religion as a whole and the the way of jesus at its best is never keeping us and inviting us to hide from the pain it's always Mm -hmm. inviting us into the pain so the spirit of god can draw us through the pain to the resurrection on the other side and that's That's why for me, like I have all my critiques. The church needs therapy. Yes. I'm like unconventional in some ways, but the church at her best still shines in a way that nothing else does. And I believe that in a beautiful Mm -hmm. way. And that's Mm -hmm. why I've done what I've done and why these communities, when they are not, power-oriented sh- with, with the shaming and the manipulation and the weird control mm-hmm. that needs to mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. But when they're liberated and when they're open and when they're spacious, like, there's what else is like that? You know, to to invite people into God through the open arms of the community. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Kevin, I just love you. You're amazing. Okay, so let me share this with you. So I, I posted on Facebook the other day because, you know, Facebook is true life. It's where you get your real friends, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was just talking about a workshop I just did at my new church. And and I just, and somehow in that, oh, I'd said that a friend had asked, how can you still be in church after what happened? Mm. And I, I'm like, I'm not upset with the church, right? And mm. so I don't have issue with it. I found a church that's loving and celebrates mm. me and affirms me and celebrates and affirms mm-hmm. everyone. It's and so, so, yeah, so to, to me, it wasn't the church as a whole. It was just majority of churches who won't let me in the door now that i came out mm. all right that's mm. just true so mm. but a friend of mine who's a non-believer wrote this to my post and this changed me mm. how can you stop attending church when you are the church you embody christ mm-hmm. and your marriage honors his teachings the people in groups and building denominations stopped attending to you they stopped going to church
1: wow She's a
0: non believer. She's That's absolutely amazing. brilliant. I love her.
1: And yeah, I love something that. in
0: me shifted. And maybe I got a little bit out of the ego. I got a little bit more away from the wounding. And just mm. pretty fresh. But it's just the idea that they stopped going to church. I'm not. Mm. Right? I'm not. And part of it's because people like you are in mm. the world teaching the absolute truth of love. Mm. Right, and it's just mm. it's just so refreshing. It's just so powerful.
1: No, that's powerful. I've actually like I love when I'm pleasantly surprised by a new insight in a new way, and yeah. that's that is a great, yeah. great way of saying that 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 person yeah. said.
0: Yeah, so it's just good, amazing. And that is, you know, my window of tolerance for religion is is huge, mm. and it means there's very little that can come at me that would take me out of my connection when it comes mm. to that, yeah. and. And part of it is because people like her who have eclectic beliefs are so loving.
1: Interesting.
0: And so just for us to remember that we are representing a beautiful, beautiful risen Savior who Mm. would not say the things that we're saying to each other right now. Mm, So good. Yeah, and and that I want to remember. But also it's good to meet people and be able to read your work and all that you're doing that— you keep doing what you're doing and the people mm. who are against people like me will be the minority. Mm. Right. Mm. That's powerful. Yeah. 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 You thank you that. so much. Yeah. yeah so that's, good.
1: that's so good. No, I'm so, like I said, I'm, I don't take the opportunities to, to be on, on this, you know, podcast for granted on other podcasts for granted. Mm-hmm. Cause like I said, when like, for people listening as a first-time writer, I've been hustling. Yeah. You know, reaching out to people, you know, like reaching out to so many people. And for the people who take that chance and who extend the invitation as a Mm first-time writer before they see me doing other things when it's just easier to do it. Yeah. That is such an important part of Mm -hmm. the journey of the book and this new journey of, and this new stage of my life as well, you know, because I feel like Mm -hmm. the book represents the first step into the next chapter beyond imagine. So it's, it's all... These moments are bigger for me than just the moment, so I'm grateful yeah, for that. Yeah,
0: it's so powerful. All right, my new best friend, I'm gonna put you, <laughs> I'm gonna put you in the hot seat real quick. And yeah. there's a lot of things we could have talked about, but I will. We might have to do a part two at some point because there's probably yeah. a whole lot more there. Well,
1: actually, in some of the bios people read. It's in there, but I have like a second book coming out with the publisher in January. So I'm going to hit you up again.
0: Okay. Well, definitely on that. <laughs> I'm excited about that. All right. So I'm just going to ask you some real simple kind of silly questions and just see what comes to mind first for you. All right. Awesome. All right. What is your favorite movie?
1: One of them is Goodwill Hunting.
0: Yeah Great movie. That's in your book too. You wrote about that in there.
1: Yes, that to me that's the like uh, the guiding journey for Enneagram Fives right there, which I am.
0: Are you a five? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: To get out of our heads and into the incarnational messiness of real life and love. Yeah.
0: Yeah, And what a great example you are of a five, a healthy five who's able Mm. to actually feel. Mm. Right. So I think that's so good. I'm an eight. We're the best number out there. In case you didn't know that. (laughs) <laughs> All right. What is on your nightstand?
1: Um, I don't have a nightstand, but let's see. Right now, in front of me is like a light that's move a nightstand that's moved from my wife's side in front of me for this right now. So I whatever's on my nightstand is enhancing this conversation right well, now. It's
0: working perfectly. It's working great. That's <laughs> awesome. So, what do you like best about living in Hawaii? <sighs>
1: Well, let's see. I'm on the 37th floor of my building right now, looking out at a rainbow that's mm-hmm. going over the water. So wow. we can that—that's definitely wow. one of them. But wow, that is amazing. My wife and I is just the family. This is where we want. This is mm-hmm. where we want to establish roots. My wife and I both surf, and our kids to grow up with the beach, to grow up with the water as just such an essential part of their life is important to us. Yeah,
0: that's so good. It's wonderful. What food is love for you? Ooh.
1: When I choose to indulge any kind of desserts that are like chocolate, peanut butter, cookie doughish, cheesecake, ice cream kind of stuff. I'm like, as Sounds rich, great. there's, there's yeah. nothing too rich for me.
0: Right. There's That's nothing
1: great. too rich for me.
0: <laughs> that is so great. I love that. <laughs> what surprises people the most about you?
1: The people who meet me now are surprised by how I lived growing up. Yeah. The people who I grew yeah. up with are surprised by what I do now.
0: Ah, I love that. I love that. Yep, that's good. That's okay. What, what surprises is. you the most about you?
1: Surprises me about me. I think over time. That I can keep choosing to, to really, really care mm. and throw myself into things when yeah. in my default personality, it's, to play it cool and act like I don't care to protect myself from failure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the will set. All right. Final question for now on, when you hear flip your lid, who or what are you going to think of?
1: Kim Honeycutt Whew. and the amazing time yes. that yes. we had here. That is
0: the right answer. You are the <laughs> winner. So good. I love it. I'm,
1: I'm going to be walking by people on the streets, and they're going to use the, the phrase "flip your lid" in casual conversation. I'm like, oh, do you guys know Kim too? <laughs> That's cool. <right>. <laughs> <laughs> like
0: we're best friends. <laughs> that is great. All right, Kevin. People want to follow you. They want to read your book. All the things. Tell them a little ways so they can get a hold of you.
1: Yeah, the book, The Making of a Mystic comes out May 31st of this year. So find it when the pre-order comes up on Amazon, whenever that is, Mm -hmm. which I don't know yet. But until then, the Church Needs Therapy podcast. You can type it into Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever Mm -hmm. you listen to them for the most part. And then on Instagram is probably the most updated. You'll see from everything I'm doing, whether it's the podcast or the writing or just whatever's happening in my life. So my Instagram is at Sweeney one And that is probably the best place to stay in tune with everything else. So yeah, writing some other things, you know, coming up, I actually, you know, have that second book coming out in January. So it's, I'm, I have some, yeah, it's a, you know, the challenge and the grieving last season leading into the decision to close imagine. And then Mm -hmm. like I've been saying this whole podcast after the letting go, it's always more love and always more liberation. So that's what I'm sensing into my future right now. Mm -hmm. And I, Believe is possible for everybody tuning in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when we truly entrust mm-hmm. in those letting go moments to the to the life of God. So it's
0: so true. Yes. So, so well more say.
1: life for everybody who's listening in.
0: Yeah, more life, more light, and for all of you. Thank you, Kevin. Like
1: yeah, thank um, you so much. This yeah, I appreciate
0: great. you helping me reconnect to who God says I am for myself as well through this conversation, through your through your book. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Kim. So everyone who is listening, I know you heard something today that helped you to reconnect to who God says you are. And we'll see you next time.
1: Thank you for listening to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycut. Please subscribe, rate, and share. You can find Kim on Facebook or Instagram at KB Honeycutt. To get an autographed copy of Kim's book, visit ButYourMotherLovesYou.com. Remember, no matter what, treat yourself well today.